welcome back to Post Credit Podcast, uh, the place for you to go to for all your movie needs after the credits roll. My name is Preston Moore. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Raymond Venuya. Raymond, say hi. What's up, guys? All right. We have a lot of exciting stuff to get into today. A lot of stuff happened in the past week since we've last talked. Um, The biggest thing that happened... Uh, was the Joker reviews. Joker uh, is a movie that is coming out next month, and it premiered at the Venice Film Festival, and it got an eight-minute standing ovation, so we're going to talk all about that. And also, uh, the first, or not the first, the second teaser uh, for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker was released, featuring an evil ray, so we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. But before we get into any of that... Let's talk about what we have watched in the past week. Raymond, I'll let you go first. All right, so my first thing. You know, I feel bad as someone who enjoys watching film and television just because, you know, you always have to finish something to really give your opinion. But this is the first time I've really seen a show, and I was just like, I have no issue with dropping this halfway through, and I just can't finish it because, yeah, it felt that horrible. 13 Reasons Why Season 3. Oh, man. Mm. Like, I really tried to get through it. I really did. And I I really enjoyed, well, for lack of a better term, I really appreciated the filmmaking in the first season. Uh, The second season was okay. I thought it was more just, all right, let's wrap up this story. And then they leave you with a cliffhanger that you're just like, okay, well, maybe there's more to this. And then season three is just kind of like, yeah, I kind of got lost. Like, was the cliffhanger, like, it was supposed to be this big deal. And then, like, I thought that's what would be going on, but... I feel like it's just so brushed under the rug. It's just so, I can't. Uh, I can't even begin to explain the, the way. I guess <laughs> that I can just say with this show, it turned into Thirteen Reasons Why SVU, and it was just <laughs> the the black and white interview thing. Just I, I was like, are you? What? I was so confused. But all I can say is it's pretty much a mess, and for I... me, it becomes so over dramatic, and I'm just like, oh man, I might as well just be watching a soap opera. <laughs> But I saw I saw oof. a video on Twitter where they they literally incru- included like a not not like included, but they wrote into the script a Squarespace ad, essentially the website developing site. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I don't know. Play yes. like makes a website and he's like, no, I just use Squarespace. And it was just like See, ultra it's, cheesy. It's cringe. Like, that's the thing about it, too. Like, they have a yeah. real opportunity here to be talking about some serious issues and that's what i thought that was we were going to be going on that's what was going to be going on in this season but no you know it turns into just this very overly dramatic kind of far out there show and you're just like what just happened you know it's yeah. it's just, it just yeah i can't really explain more than that without spoiling for anybody that has any desire left to watch this show but i would not recommend See, it. i i watched and i and i enjoyed season one um now do i think season one should have been made at all no because they i mean they've taken it out since then but they took it out two years after the fact they included a lot of things in season one that they shouldn't have included so i think that it was just really um not not something that should have been made in the first place because you know it didn't really they they masked it i think they masked it under the the whole 
uh, we're making this for suicide prevention thing, when in reality, they were doing it for entertainment. And season one was very entertaining, but to anyone who uh, may be having suicidal thoughts, if they were to watch season one the way it was originally released, they they may see how it generally glorifies suicide. Like Hannah Baker is seen like this, this uh, she's glorified throughout the entire season. You know what I mean? So they, uh, I don't think it should have been made, but from an entertainment standpoint, it was entertaining that very first season. I tried to watch season two and the writing was so bad that I quit. So <laughs> yeah, that's that see, I was able anything. to stick through season two. But yeah. Season three. That's how I got. I was like, yep, I'm out. Sorry. SpongeBob being, I right, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you been watching, man? What? So I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I, I think I mentioned it a little bit, but not uh, not fully. Uh, recently, I finished Euphoria on HBO starring Zendaya. And that, I mean, wow. Just wow. I mean, that show, I really think that Euphoria season one may be my favorite season of television since Daredevil season three. It really, It really was spectacular. It was one of the one of the best things I've seen in a very long time. And a lot of that is because of the characters, the way that they write their characters on that show. Everything is very meticulously crafted and you can tell that they put a lot of heart into every character and not just their main characters. Even, you know, the side characters are very fleshed out and they're not just like plot points, you know, for the main characters to go along with their story. You know, everyone in the show has a story and you you watched half of it right yeah i have so you understand it a little bit i mean i'm sure you you've been able to see like the way that these characters are so 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 well crafted um oh yeah but i mean go on one of my if you've seen the show uh you'll know who i'm talking about if you haven't seen the show go watch it but one of my favorite characters in the show, his name is Fez, and he's essentially, he's a drug dealer. And when you first, like, see him, I mean, he's he's a likable character. He doesn't stand out very much. But the thing is, is um, when you watch his performance, this actor's performance, it may seem uh, uninspired or just kind of bland. At first, but when you really think about it, I feel like his performance throughout, and obviously I know you haven't seen the whole thing, but I mean, not a whole lot changes uh, in terms of his performance and anything, but throughout, it really does, it's a, it's a really good performance, is what I'll say, because, you know, his lines, although it may seem like his delivery for his lines is kind of, you know, dry or not really... Um, you know, just bland. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that is his character. You know, his character isn't outspoken per se. And his character is just like super chill, like always, you know, high or whatever. And I don't know. I, I think it's a, I, it was really fascinating to me the way that his character was portrayed and how it kind of looked at some points to seem, uh, 
like a bad performance, but when you look deeper into it, it was actually a really, really good performance. And that goes for the entire show. Everybody, all the actors, the entire cast was spectacular in my opinion. But yeah, Euphoria season one, loved it. It was incredible. Um, yeah. What what else have you been watching? No, well, there's this other one that I watched on Netflix, and it's actually that David Letterman interview show, and it's actually really interesting. I've watched, I watched one episode, and it was the episode he had with Kanye, and I just love the way, he, one, how he, like, interviews them. I think a lot of that is kind of, we don't really see a lot of that anymore, just because, you know, we don't really have the patience sometimes to watch interviews. It's not something that's, like, a big deal, I feel like, as much. We kind of just take, like, the tidbits, the little Easter eggs people drop from interviews, like, oh. The highlights. Yeah. But it's really interesting to see David Letterman, like, just dive into the mind of, like, Kanye and his other guests. And I just love that he really talks about his art and Kanye. I mean, you know, Kanye is such a polarizing character. He talks about his inspirations and his own family, and he opens up about his mental health problems that, you know, have recently surfaced. And he talks about being yourself and just that's like what I came away with it at the end of it all was it's really about being yourself. And I feel like that's what I enjoyed about his interview with him. It wasn't him trying to argue with him about his, you know, antics or political views or et cetera, et cetera. It was really about him trying to understand him and trying to get to know what makes Kanye Kanye. And for me, I feel like it was just very... And almost in a way enlightening and it's all it's, it was just really refreshing too to see some wholesome content from someone so outspoken but i definitely go recommend it i'm still trying to watch the rest of the episodes because he has some really good guests on there and obviously david letterman is a great interviewer you know he has ellen degeneres on there he's had barack obama on there so i, I definitely recommend it to go for anybody to go see it and what yeah. else what else have you been watching preston <laughs> Okay, I want to I wanna talk about this one for a little bit of time because I saw this movie yesterday and I kind of just saw it on a whim. I had like a couple free hours. I was like, I don't have anywhere to be until then. I'm next to this really nice theater that I like to go to a lot. I'm going to just go see it real quick. And I literally, I, I looked for a couple different movies that I, I was interested in seeing and I didn't none of them were showing at the time that I wanted. I thought about seeing uh, Spider-Man Far From Home extended cut, but I wasn't really interested in that because they didn't add a whole lot. And I, you know, anyways, uh, <laughs> but I thought about seeing that. Uh, and then I also thought about uh, going to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood again, because that is a film that I really, really did enjoy um, that I've been wanting to rewatch Um, And then I also thought about seeing this new movie called Don't Let Go that released recently that looks really good. But ultimately, none of those were playing at the time that I could go see him. So (laughs) I picked the movie that had the closest start time to that I could just watch. And I had heard, I think I saw maybe like one tweet about it, maybe, like total before going into it. I really had no idea what this movie was about, who was in it, anything about it. I didn't know a thing. Uh, but I went in, and it came out. I mean, I, I loved it. This, this movie is in my top five of 2019. It's called The Peanut Butter Falcon. And 
if you haven't heard about this movie, trust me, you're not alone because I hadn't heard about it, and I don't think many people have because not I many people are talking about it. About it, it. Until now. It's it's a bit of a smaller film. It's not even showing in some uh, some theaters, some towns. I know a guy, a uh, friend of mine on Twitter, said that he. Uh, didn't even have it in his town and I was like it's worth traveling for go see it if it's only like 30 45 minute drive that's far away go see the movie like it's really spectacular um, so this movie essentially it revolves around two characters um, the first of which is kind of you could I don't know I don't think either of them are the main character but the story kind of revolves around the two of them and the first of which his name is Zach uh, he's a down syndrome uh, person. He's 22 years old and he's been put in a nursing home because he doesn't have any family to take care of him and he doesn't know what to do, but he hates being in the nursing home. He is young. He wants to go live, but he has no one to take care of him, so he's stuck in this nursing home and he hates it. Uh, and then the second is this guy named Tyler and he works uh, fishing crab, I think. Um, essentially, he's a fisherman. And this is Shia LaBeouf's character. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, by the way, still got it. I think he may be nominated for an Oscar this for this movie because Jeez, that's, he was that's bold, man. He, he was spectacular. He was spectacular. I absolutely loved him in this movie. But um, I digress. Shia LaBeouf's character is named Tyler. He's this fisherman. He's kind of hardened because his brother died. Um, Years ago, it's revealed early in the movie that his brother passed away, and this Tyler character is pretty hardened. He is illegally uh, fishing for crab on land that isn't his, and he's made a lot of uh, enemies in his community, and he really doesn't have a whole lot to live for at the beginning of the movie, it seems. And throughout the uh, course of events in this movie... Uh, Zach and Tyler, the Down Syndrome kid from the nursing home, and Tyler, the fisherman, they meet up and they essentially uh, become what each of them needed, in a sense. They, they, they collide just out of sheer happenstance, and then throughout, as the movie goes along, they kind of save each other's lives in a way because both of, neither of them were in a really good place and they're both just really good for each other and i don't know if i have smiled so much in a movie ever in my life because i mean this this movie is pure joy and just so much heart on the screen like i i can't even put into words how many times i was just just feeling so joyful just watching the movie like it's so so heartwarming if i had to pick one word to describe the peanut butter falcon i would say heartwarming because that's exactly what it is it's a heartwarming movie these two guys they go on an adventure together essentially um there's a couple other uh, actors in the fray uh obviously we have shia labeouf is in also, John Bernthal makes kind of a cameo role. He's not he's in a very small role. But he's in the movie. He shows up and uh, Dakota Johnson as well plays uh, a main character and Thomas Hayden Church who is uh 
he played I, I I recognized him from he was the Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Oh, He's in this wow. movie. Yeah, I hadn't seen him in like anything. Um So yeah, it's got a solid solid cast and then the actor who plays Zack, his name is Zack Gottsagen. Gottsagen? I don't know how to say it. Um but yeah, it's one of I've given I've seen 28 movies in 2019. Uh, thus far I hope I can see more I planned on seeing more but I've seen 28 movies in 2019 and I've given 6 of them 5 star ratings and this was easily a 5 star rating um, I I really really loved it it was it was just like I said the most fun that I've had in a theater in a long time if you get the chance this movie is only an hour and a half long i think it's actually an hour and 29 minutes so really short movie um if you have like two free hours you can squeeze it in and if it's showing where you are go see it i was happy to see that a lot of people like my theater that i saw it in was very full and i was very happy to see that because it was like a 4 p.m showing and it's a small movie so i was happy to see that there were a lot of people there to see it. It's really good. It's really funny. It's got a lot of heart, and I I don't have enough good things to say about it. So definitely, it's called the Peanut Butter Falcon. Go see it. That's that's my that's my review. Raymond, you you should go see it too. You're included. I will, man. I mean, Shia LaBeouf in a serious role. I mean, that sounds really good. I mean, I love Shia LaBeouf just as a person. I mean, yeah, but for his he's entire very, story though, he's been through a lot, but I'd love to see him eccentric. return to, you know, some glory here with a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's a very eccentric person. And I think I was surprised to see him in this role because I really hadn't seen him in a whole lot other than uh, holes from back in the day. You didn't watch transformers. Uh, and Transformers, those two. Um, and then he, he, but he was really... Lie. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he was... I mean, in Holes, because I grew up, I loved Holes. And Holes was kind of like... Like, he was kind of a child star then. You know, he was really young, a mm-hmm. teenager. And then Transformers, like, he's in his young 20s. Really, like, probably just an actor doing what he can to take the biggest roles he can. You know what I mean? Um to get his name out there and establish himself i feel like yeah obviously then he became the shia labeouf that we know and love now who is very interesting person very (laughs) eccentric is the only word that i can think of to accurately describe him uh but he plays a very serious role in this movie and he's spectacular he's so good and it was it was weird when I saw him because he plays this grown man, and I was so used to him being either young. in Holes, the young teenager, or in Transformers, like the uh, the young, good looking like action movie star, you know? Yeah, and, even like in Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and in this movie, he's this weathered, like in his thirties at least, um, big beard. Like I don't know, he just looked very differently and acted very differently he's this big country guy he's got this big country accent he's just very stern and harsh most of the time and i was it made me i was really uh really impressed it showed his range a lot because 
I had never seen him in anything like that, and he, I mean, he killed it. I, I, I was, like I said, I don't have enough good things to say about it. Go see the movie, The Peanut Butter Falcon. So freaking good. Um, Raymond, is there anything else you've seen lately? Yeah, uh, this one's a short one. So for anyone who re- who's into more electro and like EDM music, you should watch the short film Saga Two. It, it's from this artist called Memba, and they're part of this production company called foreign family but it's basically this like 13 minute short film where this like object relic thing comes to earth and it interconnects the stories of a bunch of these different strangers and all and for each of these different strangers stories it's like a different song so it's also like almost an album but it's obviously yeah it's 13 minutes it's really short but it's one of Sounds those like mo- go for i it. thought of i thought of spider-man 3 for some reason Honestly, because like, Venom, Venom comes from outer space, and then there's, <laughs> you know, there's a certain scene with a certain song. We don't have to get into it. Oh but. man, it's a lot better <laughs> than that scene from Spider-Man Three. Okay, great. But cool. If you guys have seen Cloud Atlas from like the Wachowskis with um, Tom Hanks, it's a lot. It reminded me a lot of that, at least, just with really good music. I, I'll be honest, I still don't really understand it, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. And they even give you fair warning. You should watch this a couple times to really understand what's going on in this film. And for me, if you're a fan of those kind of movies, kind of like how I experienced like 2001 Space Odyssey and Interstellar the first time, I had to watch it a few times to really get it. And I was like, then you'll enjoy this. So just throwing that out there to everybody. I can't explain it because I don't fully understand it, but I like it and I enjoy it. So 13 (laughs) minutes of your time, you you can knock that out. That's how I was with... uh legion did you ever oh, watch yeah. that no i have FX. i watched the first season and i really loved it i never caught up and watched the rest but legion is very much like that where you're like i don't know what's going on like my mind is being very twisted and like blown right now but i like it so that's how i felt about that so i understand <laughs> where you're coming from Speaking of mind-blowing things, uh, I don't know if this is very mind-blowing, but it is, it's cool. Uh, Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Todd Phillips, the solo film centered around the clown prince of crime. That movie premiered at the Venice Film Festival this past week, and it drew in extremely high... Uh, high applause great reviews uh like i mentioned at the beginning there was an eight minute long standing ovation after the film now i know these film festivals have uh long standing ovations typically for good movies but i mean eight minutes that i i can't imagine standing through that and clapping for anything that i've ever seen for that long i don't know maybe uh the cat in the hat but that's it (laughs) but eight minutes of clapping so that's that's a lot this movie uh the reviews are are generally really good there have been a couple reviews saying that it's not very good but most all the reviews have been saying that it is spectacular so this looks like it could be a smash hit for warner brothers and dc it releases october 4th Uh, a lot of people are saying that uh Joaquin Phoenix uh, is a shoe-in for best actor as his performance as Arthur Fleck or the Joker. 
Uh, I'm going to read off. Let's see. Let's read off of this. This review is from David Ehrlich, Ehrlich from IndieWire. He said, uh, Todd Phillips' Joker is unquestionably the boldest reinvention of superhero cinema since The Dark Knight, a true original that's sure to be remembered as one of the most transgressive studio blockbusters of the 21st century. Joker is the human-sized and adult-oriented comic book movie that Marvel critics have been clamoring for. There's no action, no spandex, no obvious visual effects, and the whole thing is so gritty and serious that DCEU fanboys will feel as if they've died and seen the Snyder Cut. But it's also the worst-case scenario for the rest of the film world as it points toward a grim future in which the inmates have taken over the asylum and even the most repulsive of mid-budget character studies can be massive hits and Oscar contenders, so long as they're at least tangentially related to some popular intellectual property. Um, So a lot to unpack there. But what I really want to focus on is... uh, the the uh the obvious praise for this movie i mean he called it unquestionably the boldest reinvention of superhero cinema since the dark knight that's crazy i mean that's huge right the dark knight was 11 years ago i mean that's i don't know that's crazy what do you what do you think of that yeah i mean it sounds like he has a lot to say it does sound though like we are finally getting the dark movie that everyone's wanted which i'm excited about but i'm not really surprised here you know for them to be first of all premiering this at film festivals that really just has to show that it is more on that side of the spectrum of film more so than a blockbuster that they are really diving into the i don't know what's the word to i I wouldn't say cinematic or more artsy but in a sense yeah some of the in a way more oscar friendly territory of film and i do think that this is interesting too that they're doing this with the joker and i agree with him it does sound whether or not you know i'm almost 100 percent sure that the movie's going to be good but it is it does feel like a reinvention at least of superhero films and comic book movies in general just because it is really starting to tread that territory of we're not getting people to come watch our movies because we're getting to see the joker do crazy stuff because it's the joker it's more now that no we're making a really really good film that's character driven has a great plot and has the mechanics of a really good long-lasting film it just so happens to also be about the joker and i think that's it's really interesting at least and it's i'm excited for it and i i think the thing too that stands out to me is i love that he has to drop in there the there's no obvious visual effects because that is something i feel like we've we've touched on that and even though it doesn't like more or less take away or add to a film because if the film's good, it's good whether it has green screen in it or not. I feel like there is a soft spot somewhere in there for me for films that are done on practical sets without crazy Absolutely. action sequences, without crazy green screen. And I appreciate that at least. Absolutely. I, I've been somewhat outspoken in the past about the way I feel about CGI and its uses and when it is, uh, when it's useful and when it's unnecessary, you know, mm-hmm. um, Todd Phillips, the director of this movie said that 
there's not a single green screen in Joker. And that made me smile because I I just love the idea that it's it's purely a film. Like there's no obviously maybe they will use some CGI. Um frankly, I'm not sure where they would uh given the story in itself, but you know, I I love the idea that there's not a single green screen. I just love practical sets, practical effects. You're it there's like you said, there's more of a draw, you know. Um I've talked before about a comparison between Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. When you look at Avengers Endgame, this is a massive I mean, you you think about that that one shot essentially where it's got all of the entire Marvel heroes, the entire universe, um running after Thanos' army. And it's this massive all-out war. It's an epic conclusion, you know. That movie needed CGI to be what it was. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's no way you could achieve that like, to that level without yeah. some sort of CGI. You're not going to make a, an actually, like, whatever, 80-foot-tall Ant-Man, Giant-Man running with Iron Man flying up above. I mean, it's, it's not possible. So they needed CGI to make that what it was. And... I appreciate that. And obviously you look at Thanos, that may be the best, some of the best CGI ever is, is the CGI on Thanos. He, uh, in throughout infinity war and, um, end game, like that CGI doesn't happen. Like you don't make Thanos with practical effects. Um, they, they did it the way they had to do it with CGI and they did it super, super well. And it blended well, obviously, you know, it's CGI, but at the end of the day, you don't really notice a whole lot as much as you could if it was bad, right? So CGI like that is, uh, is, is in my opinion, it's good because it, it, it creates an endgame specifically. It created this epic conclusion, this epic battle that would not have been able to be been created uh, without the CGI. But then you look at Spider-Man Far From Home and obviously like mysterio you need cgi to make mysterio duh um or any of his uh illusions because i mean they literally are illusions it yeah literally it was literally a part of, of his character yeah i was about to say yeah. that yeah no that that fits in his in the part of his movie but there's a scene where uh the scene where nick fury shoots ned with the tranquilizer gun uh, and he's hiding in peter's room that scene uh Nick Fury's gun was CGI as was the background and the room around him was all CGI that usage of green screen and of CGI I don't like as much that is a product of the way that they rush these Marvel films out so quickly and so fast that um, it became you know to where they had to CGI a gun in instead of just using a prop, you know, or CGI the back of a room and instead of just going to a practical set. I mean, it's not hard to film in just a room. I mean, that's, it was literally just a room. Go to a hotel room, film there, you know. Um, so that's where I think, you know, sometimes CGI is good. Sometimes it's unnecessary. Now I will say, watching the movie, it wasn't bad CGI. I couldn't tell that it was a CGI gun or room. I just didn't like so much the idea 
that they used it whenever that's something that doesn't need to be CGI. You know what I mean? Yeah. So going back to Joker, to hear that Joker doesn't use a single green screen, that's exciting to me because in this day and age where we are seeing so many, I mean, Marvel, you look at Marvel, that's just, that's the main, uh, main example of it but these massive blockbusters are using more and more cgi to create more and more surrealism and while i do enjoy the surrealism at times like in endgame and in infinity war there are times when it's nice to just know that it was just practical set like this is just they filmed it you know they edited it and then they put it up you know and that's it you know so i don't know i I really appreciate that there's there's not a whole lot of uh, green screen of green screen and Joker, yeah. If any at all, I'm very excited for that. No, I definitely am too. But there is one review that that stuck out to me a little bit. It's from the rap, and obviously yeah, this is just a part of the quote. But it, for me, it just made me chuckle. It was, if you strip the Joker and his nearly 80 year history as a cultural icon out of this film, as well as the 1970s movie homages. There's not a whole lot left except for Phoenix's performance, and it's the kind of turn that's destined to be divisive. Or, I don't know, for me, I'm just like, that's a little funny, man. It's like, if you strip the Joker of being the Joker for 80 years and just take out all his context, then you have a movie. I'm like, what, 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 do, you, what do you want from me, man? I mean, it's, it's a movie about if the Joker. S- I don't know what to you tell you. The movie, if you strip the movie Joker of the Joker, then you don't have the Joker. You have a movie about a really sad clown, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, we this, live in a society. Uh, no, sometimes it's hard for me with these critics because they're you gotta admit there are some critics. I'm clearly you know they're, they're they've made a profession out of it, but there's some critiques they give out that I'm like, wait, what? I'm very serious, man. Yeah, right, right. But I've I, seen, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of complaints. Well, not a lot. The, the main complaint that I've seen about um, Joker is that it may not be uh, suitable for this day and age, saying essentially the way the plot goes, the way the uh, the way that the story is, it may not be suitable for this day and age in that some people could take it the wrong way and it could cause violence to occur. Now, that is the most ridiculous criticism I've ever heard. Because, first of all, I mean, that is not a critique of Joker. That should be a critique of this day and age. You know? That should just be saying, like, we have people that would see a movie and that would make them want to, you know, shoot up a movie theater or whatever. Like, that is insane. Right? Yeah, like that is not a critique about the film. That is more of a yeah, critique on society. <laughs> I mean, that's not the movie's fault. Like that is that is the that's that's the person's fault. That's completely on him, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, art is art, you know. Art has always been and will always will be offensive to somebody somewhere at some point in time. You know, no matter what movie you make, I'm pretty sure somewhere out in the world, even the Marvel movies, which are pretty lighthearted for the most part, offend somebody somewhere or trigger them in some way, shape, or form. But that has nothing to right. do with the movie itself. You know, that has nothing to do with superheroes, you know, bashing on each other. It's more about the way people yeah. talk about it. And I have seen those yeah. criticisms. And like, there's no way that we can support a movie that that promotes this. I'm like, I don't really think you're... Like, it's not trying to promote violence, man. It's just trying to tell a story. And if you're taking movies and you're basing... And people are getting judgment for movies. That's more on you as a person than it is on the movie and the filmmakers. Right. I... Personally, I hope that this movie makes so much money. Like I, I hope this movie, if this movie crossed a billion, that would be the greatest thing in the world. Because even if I don't like this movie, I would like it to make a lot of money. Um, high top films. He's a, a YouTube creator. He tweeted something along those lines where he said, even if I don't like it, I hope it makes a lot of money because it would be really nice to see it make a lot of money because that opens the door um, for more character study films about comic book characters. You know what I mean? That says, hey, this can work. You know, this is this truly is maybe the first movie of its kind or one of the first where it's taking a, a character from the comics and not really taking anything else from the comics you know it says i know uh todd phillips the director said that he took a couple elements from the killing joke but not a whole lot Mm -hmm. um and essentially this is its own creation and i love that i hope i would love to see more uh just raw character studies of uh these comic book characters that aren't so sensationalized and so huge the way that Endgame is, because like I said, I love Endgame. I love these massive battles, these huge, big superhero films, but I also really like the small stuff, and I would really like to dive into these characters' lives. What made them who they are? Why are they the way that they are? Why do they want the things they want? Why do they do the things they do? You know what I mean? Like, I would love to delve into that more and not focus so much on the great battles or the cool costumes. You know, I... I enjoy just digging more deep into that, you know? So I would love to see this movie uh, make a lot of money. Uh, I want to see it win an Oscar, that personally. Would, <laughs> yeah, that would open the door. And I, from the early reviews, Joaquin Phoenix has a really good shot, I think, at winning Best Actor for it. Um, and we maybe, who knows, maybe we could see Joker nominated for Best Picture. That would be awesome. Uh it seems to be the type of movie that would deserve it more than Black Panther. Obviously, haven't seen the movie, but um, it I feels think it, that way. I think it it just feels that way, and it feels like it has the it has it has the chance to do it. And as much as I loved Taron Egerton in Rocket Man, one of my favorite performances of the year ever, uh, one of my favorite performances ever. As much as I loved him. The Joker is my favorite character ever. If Joaquin Phoenix does an incredible job, then I'm going to want him as best actor because the Joker is such an awesome character that you can really tap into something that not a lot of characters allow actors to tap into, you know? No, definitely. 
So there's a lot of potential for it. Um, but we're going to move on because there's potential for another thing too coming up. That's Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This is a bit of a a bit of a uh, a sharp turn here from the Joker to Star Wars. But the first no, I said it again. I said this at the beginning. Not the first teaser. The second teaser for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker uh, released uh, actually the day that we released our last episode. So it's been a week since this teaser released. So we are we might be a little late talking about it. We did talk about it a little bit last week, uh, but we're going to talk about it more in depth this week right now. So this whole movie, my initial thoughts... Um, I'm a bigger Star Wars fan than I am anything. I'm a bigger Star Wars fan than Marvel, DC, whatever. I Star Wars is my number one thing, right? And I am incredibly hyped for this movie, but the one thing that I first noticed um, watching this trailer was the cinematography in this movie. Looks it freaking looks amazing. Beautiful. <laughs> It looks so good. I mean, good lord. There's a shot of Kylo Ren igniting his lightsaber and walking towards the camera, and he drags his lightsaber on the ground, and his lightsaber approaches the camera, and there's lightning going on in the background, and just the way it's framed, it's shot from, like, the ground up, essentially, just, like, giving him this larger-than-life feel, I think. And that, that shot alone, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, just give me two hours of that repeat. Just give me all that. That's all I need. Um, but this entire this entire entire trailer was just like great shot after great shot. Just the movie itself looks beautiful. Don't you think? Oh yeah, no, the film looks amazing. I mean, every shot in the trailer that, you know, is obviously like new, it looks pretty good. And then of course that second to last sequence we see of kylo and ray fighting on what in the middle of water on what looks to be some sort of like ship or something i don't know what that looks like but anyways that looks pretty badass and i'm excited yeah, because that looks if that's, that's the actually... final battle then the last shot of the trailer must not mean too much I don't think that's the final battle. That's why. I'm like, there's no way that's the end. There's no way they no. show us the final battle in the I, end, and there's no way it happens there. I think, and, oh my god, if this happens, I would just... Hell, I might not make it out of the theater. I might just melt in my seat if this happens. But I would love for the final battle to be every Star Wars character... From all three trilogies, I mean, you get Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, I mean, Yoda, everybody in there, every character of note, Anakin, get Hayden Christensen back, Force Ghosts, whatever, everybody all lining up in this epic battle to go against Emperor Palpatine. That is what I want. So Avengers Endgame with Star Wars. Yes, that's what I want. And I think that's what we deserve because it's a big finale. You know, it it, it makes sense. Um, maybe not exactly the way Endgame did it, but I want something along those lines. I would love to see these old characters come back, and they can, and it fits in the narrative now because Palpatine is back, and Palpatine is the character who has seemingly tied in. He's the thread through this entire saga. Mm-hmm. You know, 
um, the prequels, the originals, and now the sequels, he's been in all three. So he is the thread throughout the entire thing. So I would love to see um, not an epic, not a big battle per se, but just like I would love to see these old characters coming back to team up and fight against Palpatine to end him once and for all. Uh, But, you know, one way or another, I'll be happy. Um, Let's talk briefly a little bit about Evil Ray. Or maybe not Evil Ray. Who knows? Um, There are a couple things, and we talked about it last week, uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about it in depth this week because we have seen... uh, We've seen more. We've seen what it looks like now. Uh, you got Ray. She's standing there. She's in what looks to be a Sith robe, uh, and she's got two two lightsabers coming up aside her face. And then it pans out, uh, and she flips the lightsaber on a hinge, and it goes one of the lightsabers, and it and it rotates down and creates this double-edged lightsaber uh, like Darth Maul. I remember you said, did you say you think it's a dream sequence? Yeah, I'm on the boat of there's no way that happens. I'm pretty sure it's either a dream sequence, a vision, something like that. Same thing happened to Luke in the original trilogy. I'm pretty sure we're along the lines of that here. Mm, okay. I, I know you, you think otherwise. You know, you guys know that I don't. Um, I think Ray's a Palpatine. I can't shake this theory I've had for the last three years. Like, if I get any sort of closure to know whether or not I'm right about this, then I'll be happy. Even if it, even if I end up being wrong, like, I just need to know at this point. I've been theorizing this for three stinking years. I'm ready to know whether I'm right or not. Um, but I think, I think she turns evil, frankly. Um, I've got... I mentioned last week. Do you, do you should I should I dive into it? Yes, just go for it. Should just... I should I go for it? Should I go all out? <sighs> okay, I will. Um, so I think Rays of Palpatine. There are a couple things that lead me to believe this. Um, and part of me, the number one thing that leads me to 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 talk about this and believe it is that I want it to be true so bad. Like, I've wanted Rey to be evil for so long. Like, I just think that would be the coolest flip. Um, now, if she stays uh, pure and good, then I'll be okay with that, too. You know, it seems that's the way her character was going at the end of The Last Jedi. But if she still flipped, I would not be unhappy, as long as they did it in the right way in Rise of Skywalker. Um, so that's the number one thing, is, like, I just want it to happen, because I think it would just be a fun idea to have them flip. But... Um, I will say there are a couple things that lead me to believe that she may very well be a Palpatine. So let's, uh, okay. Three things, three things I'm remembering now, three things that lead me to believe it. So in the final battle of the force awakens, right? You've got Ray versus Kylo Ren. It's her first time holding the lightsaber, yada, yada, whatever. Um, she has him on the ropes, essentially. Has him on the ground before the ground, like, splits, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and the fault in the earth happens. You yes. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Before that happens, she's got him right there. And she could very well kill him if she wanted. And it doesn't say it in the movie, but in the book version of this movie, uh, in the novel, there is a. it says there's a dark voice in her head, one she's never heard before, telling her to kill him and end it and do it. So that's one thing because that was never really explored in the movie, but it was in the book. So I, it makes me think, well, maybe, maybe it's Palpatine, right? <coughs> um, but another thing, there is a move that only she and Palpatine have ever done in Star Wars. There's this a lightsaber move that only two characters have done, and it's only her and Palpatine. It's hard to explain on a podcast uh, but essentially they bring the lightsaber overhead. I'm, I look really goofy doing it right now, uh, just sitting here, but they bring the lightsaber overhead and then they slash down. Essentially they have both their hands over their head and they slash down and she does that in the force awakens. The only character to do that in the past has been emperor Palpatine. So that's kind of a reach. Um, but then again, that could be uh, taken taken from genetically if she's the granddaughter of Palpatine or something like that, her fighting instincts. Um, but the last thing that I think is definitely worth noting, um, this doesn't narrow it down to Palpatine, but um, it definitely is, you know, it seems like it could be intentional. So in real life, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, the actor's who play Ray and Finn, they each have British accents. But Finn, the character, has an American accent, whereas Ray, the character, has a British accent. That makes me wonder if that's intentional. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Because Ray has a British accent, and Finn does not. So they clearly Finn has an American accent for a reason right um maybe it was just jj abrams heard him with a british accent and said that's not good do an american accent (laughs) you know maybe that's the case um but i want i want to say that it's for a reason that they kept daisy ridley's british accent for ray um because you look in the star wars lineage the only two well i mean there have been a couple but two the two prominent figures who have had british accents in uh star wars lore is emperor palpatine and obi-wan kenobi so there is the door open for that she's perhaps obi-wan kenobi's granddaughter if that happened or whatever but the uh the only other one is emperor palpatine and it lines up that he would be speaking to her uh that he would be speaking to her through her her mind during that fight to to do it and end it and then if you look at the way that she fights and the way she she acts through both movies the force awakens and the last jedi she's very aggressive um she gets angry a lot she there's a part in the last jedi where she just screams at i don't know if you know what i'm talking about but she just screams at one of the praetorian guards in that okay yeah in the throne room yeah 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 and she just like like just lets out this 
growlish, like loud scream. And it's aggressive. And and the Jedi, the light side, is not aggressive. There's a moment in The Last Jedi when she leaves Luke, when it's in the rain at nighttime, mm-hmm. where she nearly kills him. Yeah. She 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 lunges at him and then holds back. And he has to back up. So she she's got these dark instincts. And I feel like they've hinted at it and hinted at it and hinted at it, but never really fleshed out upon them. Um, so we'll see if they do anything, uh, if they do anything with with it. But she doesn't act like the typical Jedi or the typical uh, um, light side force oh. user would. Go on, okay. So it makes me leads me to believe that she has this dark side in her and of course maybe she balances it as uh it seemed like they were gonna do in the last jedi and they kind of they kind of um talked about for a while for a lot in the last jedi so maybe she does balance it maybe that ends up being the conclusion uh but i can't help but but theorize and hope that she is evil and that if she is evil she's emperor palpatine's granddaughter because we know that her parents were nobodies, but what? Who were her parents' parents? You know, maybe her, maybe her granddad was, was Palpatine. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, that's my, that's my theory. I'm gonna take a drink of water. That was a lot of, that was, that was a lot of talking. Yeah. See, I'm still even after all. I'm still like, oh, you know, that's an interesting theory you have there, but I, I still don't think they're gonna turn her evil. I mean. I didn't see the theory that maybe she could be possessed by like Palpatine's spirit or something like that. And that made more sense to me, but then her to be like biologically related to the, to Palpatine. But I don't know. I guess I could definitely see see that too. I could see that force spirit possession thing. That could be cool. Yeah. I could see that happening, especially because there's another shot in the trailer that, uh, it was C3PO with red eyes. Yeah. I saw that too. And that was a little like, how did that happen? And in the comics, which are not canon anymore, but they can take inspiration from, but in the comics, C-3PO does get possessed by Palpatine and his eyes go red when that happens. So that's definitely a possibility. No, nah, man. Um, C-3PO just entered instant kill mode. That's what happens in the movie here. Yeah. 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 Or he's just smoking marijuana or something. <laughs> C-3PO is a stoner. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. <laughs> on that note, um, we're going to rank our top Disney Star Wars films. Uh, so this includes uh, starting with The Force Awakens, and then moving on, we'll have Rogue One, and then we have The Last Jedi, and Solo as well. So we're going to rank those four movies. Now, Raymond, you said you haven't seen Solo. I haven't, so it's going to be a top three for me. But yeah, I have slacked on seeing Solo. Well, that is depressing for me because (laughs) I like Solo. Uh, But nevertheless, um, we will go ahead and rank them. I'll start since you're only doing three and I'm doing four. Um, My number four, my last... Not even last. I don't. I wouldn't say I dislike any of the Disney Star Wars movies. There are some I just like more than more or more than others. Uh, but my my number four is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. 
That's rough. I <laughs> no, I don't dislike it. I like the movie a lot. I think it's the first Star Wars uh, movie that actually felt like war, and war is in the title of Star Wars. You know, so yes. I I really did I really did appreciate how grounded the movie was but at the end of the day i think the only characters who were actually fleshed out and and good characters was uh were literally just Jin Jin or so i think cassian got like a throwaway line that fleshed out his character but other than that that was all he got and then really nobody else k2so was i love k2so as comic relief he was super funny uh but overall I think the characters were a big, big flaw in this film. It did deliver the greatest Darth Vader scene ever, and maybe the best Darth Vader, or maybe one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars um, with Darth Vader in that hallway. So I did definitely like that a lot. But overall, I think it could have been better. But I do really like the movie. I don't dislike it by any means. Um, I enjoy it a whole lot. So that's my number four. Gotcha. What's your number three? My number three is The Last Jedi. Oh my god. I mean, you know my disdain towards this movie. And I will go <laughs> further into that when we build up to the release of The Rise of Skywalker. But, oh man, The Last Jedi, I re- I'll i give it to them. The one thing I do appreciate about this movie is their cinematography. And their acting for the most yeah. part. You know, Mark Hamill, like, in the, when he originally played Luke in the original trilogy, I was like, oh man, like this dude... He's not the greatest, but then seeing him in here, I'm like, wow, you've really improved over the years. Like, I'm proud of you, man. But that aside, yeah, I just, there's a lot of decisions that the story went. And I I don't think it's even that the fact that the decisions were made, you know, because that's just a part of storytelling. You can't expect for things to happen and say it's bad because those things didn't happen. Like I, I, some of the decisions they made, I'm like, okay, that's, sort of makes sense but then what it what got to me is just the way they executed them i can this is a minus the prequel trilogy this is the first time in a while i could say wow some of those scenes were really really corny but yeah that's my beef with the last jedi so it, it rings pretty low even in the grander scheme of star wars for me but i digress what is your number three my number three is also star wars the last jedi um I when I first got out of this movie, I loved it, and then uh, as time went on, it aged horribly for me. I think this movie aged worse than any movie has for me. Where as time has gone on, I've just disliked it more and more, and seen more and more flaws in it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because when I got out of the theater, I was like, "You guys are crazy. That was the greatest movie ever." Uh, but now that I think about think upon it, I. Uh, I see a lot of a lot of the complaints. Um, my main complaint with this movie is the Canto Bite uh, storyline with <laughs> Rose and Finn and this new character DJ Benicio del Toro's character. Yes. What What the heck? Like yeah, that, I was I was lost just, for that most that part. That sucked. Yeah. That just sucked. <laughs> Frankly, like there was nothing good about it everything else i can deal with for the most part is pretty good like i generally like the rest of the things that happen but it was just that storyline and the fact that it took up so much time like we spent that time watching them 
race the the horses the fathiers is what they're actually called i think but the fathiers but why why like how does that fit in i it it irks me a lot and i hate that um kelly marie tran who plays rose i hate that she had to delete her social media and everything because of harassment that i think is purely due to ridiculous uh racist bigots on the internet um against her but her character was just poorly written and that's that's just a fact like it has nothing to do with race to say that rose is the worst character in the last jedi oh yeah no by a mile like i mean i'll just say that straight up you know i definitely feel bad for just because yeah you never want to be crapped on for work that you do you know and it's not her fault that her character is poorly written in the grand scheme of things, but she definitely didn't deserve to get, you know, crapped on for all over social media. I'm like, come on guys. Like that's just toxic. Leave her alone, man. But yeah, no, but yeah that she, was her, her think, character though. Yeah. That was brutal to watch. I don't even think that she was necessarily like a bad actress. Like her performance was good. You know, I think it was just her character is poorly written and just, her character was not only poorly written as a character, but it was also tied to the worst part of the movie in that Canto Bite storyline. So not a lot going for her in that movie. Hopefully she has uh, more, a better purpose in Rise of Skywalker somehow, but we'll see. Uh, what is your number two? For me, it's uh, The Force Awakens. I really enjoyed the movie. A big part of me did feel like, did I really just watch the first Star Wars over again with a, a bigger Death Star? But aside from that, I thought it was really good. I mean, I really enjoyed the nostalgia it had, of course, and there's a, and I really enjoyed uh, Kylo's character in that in that one. Oh I mean, yeah, I really enjoyed him. Obviously, in the Last Jedi too, like he was one of the more redeeming parts of that movie, but. I actually really enjoyed Kylo's character from beginning to end. I love the new trio of Rey, Poe, and Finn. And aside from that, the only thing that I had to say was, yeah, I felt like I watched the first Star Wars over again, so that was cool. I mean, of course it's going to be good. You know, it's kind of like the remake of The Lion King. It's like, it has to be good. It's The Lion King. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. But, yeah, so I mean, not much to not much to say that I loved about it, or not much to say that I hated about it, but I'm like, oh yeah, it was good. Well, what was your number two? Or three? My number two is two. Two. Cool. We're on my number two. Yeah. My number two is Solo, A Star Wars Story. This movie was really good. I liked it a lot. Um, it. I was worried for it. I was on the, on the train of, you know, we don't need a Han Solo movie, but what movie do we ever really need? You know, the same debate came up with Toy Story 4. We don't need a Toy Story 4. You didn't need a Toy Story 2 or 3. You know, it's... That is a whole different debate. But I was kind of on the train of, you know what? We don't need a Han Solo movie, but I'm going to give it a chance. Just because we don't need it doesn't mean it won't be good. Same thing with Toy Story 4. Love Toy Story 4, and I love Solo's Star Wars story. I thought it was really good. Alden Ehrenreich, question mark, however you say his name. I, I really liked, I liked him as Han. I didn't love him as Han, you know. Um, I wasn't, uh, you know, he obviously was no Harrison Ford. 
And he did a good job of not trying to imitate Harrison Ford. He wasn't necessarily like, oh, my God, that was such a great performance. Um, whereas I think if they had cast a different actor, maybe they had uh, they would have had a bigger hit on their hands. But he wasn't he wasn't spectacular, but he wasn't bad. He was good enough, you know. Yeah. Um, but then you look at Donald Glover as Lando. That was a dream come true for me. Uh, Paul Bettany's character was really good, as well as uh, Kira, Amelia Clark's character. I loved Kira in this movie. I really would like to see her more. I know there have been uh, rumors that she's going to get maybe a Disney Plus series or something along the lines of that in the future because, good Lord, this movie wanted a sequel. The world building that they teased, and I mean, I know you didn't see it, but they set up for a sequel really well and i was ready for a sequel i wanted a sequel um because of some of the things that that they teased it's unfortunate that it failed in the box office and got overshadowed in the end by avengers infinity war which released around the same time in the same month but i uh i just i really i really liked this movie i'm still sad that we're not getting a sequel to it but you know what? It's okay. I'll live without it. But I like this movie a lot. Um, yeah, that's my my number two Disney Star Wars film. Obviously, there's only one left. Your number one, Rogue One. Man, I mean that movie was amazing for me. <laughs> I, while I do see your point with the lack of character building, I felt like in this case it was excusable, just because where our focus was on Jin and her mission. And I really enjoyed it, and of course, uh, knowing my taste in movies, I enjoyed the darker aesthetic of the movie and the cinematography in it. I re- I know this is going to sound really bad, but one thing that really gets to me is Darth Vader's pun in the middle of the movie when he chokes out the Admiral, and he goes, don't choke on oh, your dude, admirations. I was like, did Darth Vader really just make a pun? That's amazing, but... But that's so, like, that's so Vader. You oh, know? it like, is. He would say that. It makes sense. It fits it really it's like oh wow so anakin still is in there after all but anyways (laughs) um i also really enjoyed the last not just the last darth vader sequence where he's just mowing through rebels but i also i really enjoyed watching the planet get destroyed just because one you know there are a lot of movies i feel like where they lose their stakes just for the sake of either a a happy ending or b something that gives you a little bit of hope in the end but no all of them got destroyed and it's funny because when i went to go see the movie i didn't see it opening night i saw it like the night after my friend said spoiler alert everybody dies and i was like ah ha 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 you're hilarious and then i watched yeah. it, I was like oh man everybody died and I don't yeah. know, for me that's what i really loved about it because you're right it did feel like a war movie finally and it felt like yeah and it finally added weight to that line from the first star wars you know many soldiers like died trying to deliver us this information and i really yeah that, that i really appreciated and yeah there's not enough good things i can say about that movie I, I thoroughly enjoyed it but i could see why it would bother you you know as to why some of the characters aren't as built like cassian but oh and of course um the blind dude the i'm one with the force and the force is me that dude was awesome like yeah yeah i loved him and then yeah the other his homie with the with the what do you call it fire thing and i don't know that that <laughs> part was cool but aside from that that there's really not a, a lot of bad things i can say about the movie i enjoyed it a lot and obviously your number one is 
The Force Awakens. Yes, my number one is The Force Awakens. I This is um, a theater experience I'll never forget. There are a few movies that when you see it in theaters, you uh, it's just a really special experience. And seeing Star Wars back in the big screen like that was such a big deal for me at the time. Um, like, I, I'll never forget the first time I watched uh, The Force Awakens in theaters. It was a special experience for me. I feel the same way about The Last Jedi for different reasons. Um, even though I ended up not loving the movie as much, that theater experience is one I'll never forget uh, because it marked a big point in my life. But The Force Awakens is a movie that is very near and dear to my heart uh, because it's my... Uh, not my generation of Star Wars, but it's it's more close to me than A New Hope will probably ever be. You know, the original Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And that's not because it's a better movie or a worse movie, per se. That's just because it's, you know, it's, uh, it's the one that I feel more tied to because of in the moment that I saw it and because it was in my lifetime. You know what I mean? So... It is a movie that I am very close to uh, and a movie that I I really hold uh, close to my heart, like I said. But uh, beyond that, I do think it is a really, really good movie. I think it's the best uh, movie that Disney, the best Star Wars movie that Disney's produced. Kylo Ren is my favorite Star Wars character of all time. I love his depth and I love Adam Driver's performance. Um, I love the introduction of Rey, the score is incredible john williams is brilliant as always um i really just the entire movie and i understood the complaints of uh it was just star wars the original star wars all over again with a bigger death star i understood that and i think that was intentional like i think that they they wanted to mirror uh the original in a way that the phantom menace you know, didn't, so to speak. Um, because, you know, they're starting this new trilogy and they want to they wanna mirror the original without copying it. I do think they may have mirrored it a little bit too much in terms of plot. Mm-hmm. And there's a map in a droid and all this stuff, you know. Um, but that being said, I think that uh, it, was, it was enough... They deviated enough from the original that I still love it, and I still think it is unique in on its own, if not uh, as unique as I maybe would like for it to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I I really love the Force Awakens. That is that's my number one, number one Disney produced Star Wars movie. Uh, but it looks like we are out of time for the day. So. If you have listened to this and enjoyed it, make sure you leave us a thumbs up or a five-star rating, whatever qualifies uh, as a like on whatever streaming service you're listening on. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter, my username is at Preston C. Moore. Uh, Raymond is at Arvinya, R-V-I-N-Y-A-H. If you want to follow the website that we work on, that is at thecinemaspot.com with a the in front uh, or at thecinemaspot.com. On Twitter, we both uh, work very hard on that as well. Uh, but thank you for listening. Next week, we will have a lot of good stuff to talk about. It Chapter 2 is releasing. 
this upcoming weekend. We're very excited to talk about that. I know I am for sure, um, but we're excited to to dive into that. Uh, what may be the biggest uh, the biggest horror release in a very long time. So we're very excited to to dig into that. That being said, uh, we've reached the end. Thank you for listening. Like I said, uh, if you like this, make sure you leave us a like. We really appreciate it. That helps us out. Uh, make sure you share us to, to your friends uh, if you're listening and you have a friend who likes movies that you think uh, would like this podcast. Make sure you uh, let them know that we exist. Uh, thank you for listening, though. We'll see you next week to talk about It Chapter 2. Thanks, y'all. See you next week.